The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode with the Euros. Uh, I'm sorry that the North American can't, uh, continent of Eyes on the Prize can't really step up and be part of this pod at the moment. Jared Foot is homesick, so we'll, we'll give him an easy out this time. But we're joined by Anton Rasegord once more from Rome. Still no news about your next job? Uh, still no news about my next job. So if anyone in Montreal has any openings, I would be willing to, you know, take a flight over and, and start a new life there instead. I'm sure uh, there will be plenty of offers coming in after this pod. Uh, anyone? <laughs> um, a, a super barista is on the market. What do you give me as his agent to, to, to have him sign for you? That's what we're looking for. Uh, and, and you can reach me over at Eyes on the Price. I'll, I'll answer any one of uh, Anton's uh, suitors to, to help out a friend in need. Looking at a friend in need is what we're going to do today. We're looking at uh, Montreal Canadiens and the playoffs. And uh, after last night's win against uh, Calgary Flames in the uh, classic from, from what I remember was Holkan Loeb and Mats Näslund fighting for, for the Stanley Cup two years in a row. Um, but, but you weren't even born back then, Anton. Um, but but you saw the game. What was your first in- instincts about this game? Uh, that you, everyone is kind of telling Montreal to to well, a lot of people at least are telling Montreal to give in, give up, and start tanking for Lafreniere. Uh, but this team has no quit, for better or for worse. I mean, it's something that we through this season it's a team that is competitive in every game when they lose they almost always lose by one goal or maybe two um, and the first period against Calgary was sublime uh, at one point they had, were 12 to 1 uh, in shots and they completely dominated a team that had five straight wins so it was really pleasant to see if you're not thinking about the tanking aspect of it yeah and and also, you have to be impressed because I actually caught the first period as well uh, um, with, with Kerry Price. Not much to do. And then towards the end of the period, there were some really dangerous chances where he came up big. I remember that foot save uh, with about five minutes to go in the period. And uh, he looked like the usual Kerry Price, the Kerry Price from a couple of seasons ago in this game. It's still only one game, but it gives you... A chance, and and is that what maybe a lot of people also is is talking about? That if you go in to the playoffs with a team that never quits and a hot goalkeeper, you can actually win it. We saw that with St. Louis last year. I mean, they were they were last in the league um, come Christmas, and then Jordan Bennington went on a hot streak, and all of a sudden St. Louis went from last to first and won the Stanley Cup. So of course, anything is possible, right? It's not probable in any way, but 
we also had to see that it wasn't just one game now. Carey Price played very well against Ottawa as well, where he held Montreal in that game. Yeah, and, and we've seen it before with hot goalies, especially in Montreal. Uh, Patrick Roy, obviously, uh, was one of those. Uh, we remember how everything turned with the Kreider hit, where where Carey Price was carrying a really, really good Montreal team to the... Uh, uh, semifinals uh, against Rangers that then went on to lose to Los Angeles in, in uh, four games to one in the, in the, in the final. Um, I was lucky to be in, in, in LA when, when it happened and well, it wasn't a party as much as it, if it would have been the basketball team winning, but it was still a, a massive thing uh, with a cortege down uh, center of, of uh, Los Angeles. We're coming into this and we're looking a little bit forward. The trading deadline is coming up. Will Montreal be sellers? Will they be buyers? And this is Montreal. Mark Bergevin has really built this team with no quits. And it has strength and it has weaknesses. But he is the one that has to. He's standing at a forked road right now. And he will have to choose a lane where he goes to. Will he sell or will he go for the playoffs? I think that uh, the intentions will be about the same as last year uh, for Bergevin. Um, if a good opportunity comes up, uh, then he will absolutely take advantage of that. But he will not. I don't think he will think that this team is ready for a cup run. Uh, maybe they could squeak in uh, to to a first round. Uh, but they're not good enough to to like go for 28 games potentially, and that's why I I don't think that he would be interested in, in interested in dealing any prospects. I don't think he would be interested in dealing any higher draft picks because of the fact that you know this season with two eight game losing streaks and a lot of injuries on the front end has really derailed uh, Montreal. And I am actually, you know, positively surprised that we don't hear anything about uh, the morale being down, about uh, there being internal, um, what do you call it, internal um, struggles uh, or, or conflicts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, internal conflicts or something. And that tells you something about that this team is not where they were two or three seasons ago, when Bergman actually said that the problem for that team was... Uh, that they didn't have the right the right intentions or they didn't have the right fighting mentality. And uh, after the trades that Bergevin has made over the last few years, it feels like a new team. And I think that even though the last few months haven't been exactly the way we have hoped, uh, I think that we should still look at next season and the season after that with positive um, positive vision and confidence. Yeah, and um, in, in a way, you, you have to give it to the team. Um, uh, I, um, Arpon Basu had this conversation with Jesper Kalkanemi yesterday where, where he said, if, if were you surprised that you got to take the face off on your weak side uh, before what, uh, Ryan Paling's goal? And, and Jesper said, I don't have a weak side. And, 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 and uh, Abram goes, you don't have a weak side, all, all, all right? And then he says, uh, Jesper says, uh, both sides are bad. And I think, you know, this, uh, this just shows that uh, it, it's, it's a good feeling within the team. 
it's, it's they're building something for the future. They they're letting the youngsters merge together and 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 develop uh, the a sort of report, also a report with the reporters. But but you give them the chance to build their own identity and you're building for the future. I also don't think that uh, Mark Bergman will will go all in for a playoff run. Um, if the gap was a little bit closer, then sure. But but looking at it right now at the standings in the wild card position out of 10 teams for the wild card spot montreal is seventh and uh, they're still only nine points behind carolina in the first uh, play, uh, wild card spot and seven behind philadelphia so, so obviously there is a chance a hot streak a hot goalie and, and you're back in but it has to be through the wild card because i don't see really that uh, Boston and Tampa will will fall out. Uh, Toronto might with the with the struggles they have on defense right now, but Sandin might come in um, and and actually prove himself uh, as an NHL player. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does, which would then benefit Toronto once more. And then it comes down to Montreal uh, having to knock out Philadelphia and Carolina, and I'm not sure they can do that. Um, so yeah, it's it's it's. I think you said just before we started recording this, it's a seven percent chance of reaching the playoffs. I found another site now that's at four point three after yesterday's win. So yeah, four point three percent of making the playoffs. Apparently. Yeah, and uh, the way that the standings are, it's about the similar chance to picking first. I would assume if you miss the playoffs, and it's a deep draft. So whenever you get the chance to. Um, to get maybe one of the top eight picks, uh, you 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 will be able to do uh, get a very good player. It can also be that you end up with the eighth ninth pick, and some team will go all in and trade that pick with you in order to get uh, Askarov, which I think even if you had a world a terrible world juniors is a goalkeeper for the future. You just have to wait for him for another two three years at least in Seska to develop in, in SKA to develop properly and then maybe another year in AHL. Uh, it's it's an opportunity to get a goalkeeper for the future but not the immediate future and, and I think that one team will trade up to get him. So even if you end up in that eighth, ninth spot, you can listen to teams and see what they're offering in order to to move up those places, especially if there are two or three teams looking at the same spot. And and you have to consider a little bit like Washington just signed Nicholas Backstrom uh, to another contract. I think it was a five-year contract, but it hangs out... 46 million. 46 million. It hangs out yeah. a Holtby because they won't be able to get Holtby yeah. to sign a, a mega deal that he's probably deserving of. Um, and and so, so they will have to look at those two, three years forward in, in order to get that uh, goalkeeper for the future and to to end Backstrom's and, and Ovechkin's career on a high. Don't you just think they will roll with uh, Samsonov instead? Yeah, probably. It but, feels but, like they've been building for Samsonov. Yeah, but then you have to consider where where he goes after that as well. So so you have this. Uh, you have you cannot just prepare for a goalkeeper, the next goalkeeper. You have to consider the next next goalkeeper when you draft. Uh, especially when it comes to goalkeepers, and uh, you you see that in in some ways with Montreal, 
with the lines of goalkeepers they have right now. And and also yeah, you can't, the thing is just that you can't really trade a goalkeeper because the market is is saturated. Yeah, uh, I'm just thinking that uh, I think that there are teams that will be in in the market for a goalkeeper, but they will maybe more be in the market for a goalkeeper right here, right now. Um, of course, there will be a team taking Askarov in the first round, uh, but we see quite seldom that teams actually trade up. Um, not well, if you compare it to uh, NFL, it's not really the same kind of draft. So most most teams just stay put. Unfortunately, it would be more fun to see a bit of trades. Um, but yeah, uh, if Montreal ends up with the eighth or ninth pick, of course you should listen to offers because it's a deep draft, and if you can get a, an extra pick for moving back a few spots, then why why shouldn't you? Exactly. Um, lo- looking at, um, at at the roster right now, where can Mark Bergevin get those extra picks at the trade deadline? Uh, well. <laughs> The thing is that Montreal already has a, a kind of rental on the roster right now uh, in Ilya Kovalchuk. And uh, I think that Ilya Kovalchuk, if he continues to play on this level, of course he will be uh, one of the mo- most sought-after um, rentals at the deadline for um, a team that wants to uh, make a cup run. And I, I read an article yesterday where they said that they couldn't believe that Montreal brought in Kovalchuk because you know let's let the youngsters take the those minutes on the ice uh, instead and i can understand that point of view because this is a team in a kind of reset and we have youngsters on the team that are well deserve to to show their worth and to grow but i think it's invaluable for for players like paling suzuki and kotkaniemi to have a guy like kovalchuk on the team right here right now because the lessons they can learn from him, even if it's just for an eight, ten week period, could be invaluable for them. Just how he prepares and, you know, his, just how he has been able to maintain such a high level for almost 20 years in his career and that he's still that fit and, and can, uh, you know, play for almost 20 minutes um, a night. That's impressive. And we saw yesterday that Paling, uh, when Paling got his first goal, uh, that there will be chances for these young guys to to show their worth. But I think it would be too much to hang on to them to expect that they would be the one carrying the team now that Byron and Ryan and Gallagher and Armia are out. So I think it was a perfect strategy to bring in Kovalchuk, see what he can do, and then eventually possibly flip in at the deadline. Indeed, and, and you mentioned this thing that uh, it's invaluable for for uh, for the youngster to see a true professional. I, I'm, I'm not saying that anyone on, on Montreal isn't a true professional, but there are certain players that you look up to that, that um, I just have to go down the road to, to, to say uh, Frelunda, and everyone keeps saying that Joel Lundqvist is, is in uh, first every day and he leads last every day. And the youngsters, they know this is what you have to do in order to to succeed as a hockey player, even if it's in SHL. But seeing Kovalchuk do this on, on an NHL level, sure. And and you, I remember that um, road to the Winter Classic where uh, Jaromir Jager, who is another 
total pro over five decades now. Oh, four decades now, right? Uh, he scored in, in, in five different decades, but, but he's played in like almost 40 years on the pro level, soon at least. And you, he, he, the first thing he asked for when he came to Philadelphia was the key to the practice arena so he can go there and skate at night. And he, he, he wore um, extra weights to, 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 to feel how it would be later during the uh, later during the game and so on. And, and I think it was Claude Giroux that said, I mean, I can't believe it. I'm half his age, more or less, and I can't do that. And, and it, you, you benefit so much from seeing a guy, a, a player and, or, or, or a professional in any, um, in any profession. You, you learn from them, even if, if it's medicine, if it's uh, wood carving, or, or if it's just painting. Th th there are so many ways you can you can learn from a professional as a young guy coming yeah, up. Yeah, and especially, especially we, we can look at it. Uh, we have a lot of good players in Montreal, good NHL players, but there is no superstar, especially not on the front end. We have Shea Weber on the back, and we have Carey Price in goal, but we don't have any forwards that are superstars. Ilya Kovalchuk may be on, on the, over the hill, but he's still a superstar the way he carries himself. And that's good even for those players who are 26, 27 years old to see how they should be able to play for another 10 years. How, you know, to just learn a few extra tricks from someone who has been the best in the world. Yeah, and you, you heard it. You heard the crowd last night. Every time Kovalchuk got the puck, it was an increase from, from, from the crowd. Uh, everyone got a little bit, leaned forward a little bit. I did. I'm sure you did as well. And, and it, it's, it's, everyone wants to see that, especially after that goal against Ottawa, that, that it, it meant that the um, eighth game streak came to an end, but it also benefited the team in so many other ways. And, and getting a superstar to, to stand up and deliver on that stage that's that's what you need you need to be able to to give the puck to someone and almost certainly know that he will make something happen or that player will make something happen uh, in order and, and you can relax a little bit and when you're a little bit more relaxed you usually do a little bit better of a job yeah and as i said it takes the pressure off players that shouldn't have that pressure right now in their career we shouldn't expect Jesperi Kotkaniemi to go in as a 19-year-old. He's still one of the youngest players in the whole league and go in and carry this team. We shouldn't expect Max Domi to have the same season as he had last year until he has proven himself for several years. Um, so it's just good for these players who are still below the age of 25, um, especially when, when some people are, are out with injuries, to just be able to take a step back and let an older player who really has nothing left to prove take a bit of workload and and it was exciting for me this was the first game i saw him uh, to, to see kovalchuk in in the blue blanc rouge it was it, yeah it, it sent tingles down my spine when was the last time montreal already had that well obviously it was pk suban probably but a, a skater to that degree but but even you know that next level that superstar level yeah and it's interesting to see that I heard that most uh, most jerseys with Kovalchuk's name and number 17 are already sold out, which says something about the way the Montreal population feel about having 
someone who has been a true superstar on the team all of a sudden. It actually, I, I thought about that during the game because I remember that uh, when Real Madrid signed Beckham, after about yeah. a week and a half, he had already paid his salary in shirt sales. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was thinking, it's going to be something similar with, with Kovalchuk coming into Montreal. That's an 800K contract. Uh, yeah. a, a jersey is about 200 Canadian. Yeah. So, so 150 American, I guess. And, and you know, you're going to sell a lot of jerseys. But, but you, you can still pay his contract in jerseys, more or less. You have to think about the business model as well. And, and seeing this, as you say, most jerseys are already sold out. It's, it's going to be brilliant from, from a marketing perspective as well. Yeah, and I think as well, what, what this team needed, what we don't think about enough, is, was a little bit of hope for this season. Because for a team that has had two uh, long, long um, extended uh, losing streaks, they needed a, a bit of a push for this season. Because we know that there are players in the prospect pool that could eventually create hope for, for the future. But for this season, to just increase the interest and for people to remain a bit hopeful for the remainder of the 35 games that are left, um, this was, you know, a great a great way to do it. And uh, it couldn't possibly, even if Kovalchuk had played awfully, it couldn't have been a, a loss for neither Bergevin nor nor Julian to to just have him around for a few weeks. Uh, and and especially for that price. Exactly. It's it's, it's, exactly. it's it, 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 we said no, it on the no. pod a couple of weeks ago. When it happened, uh, it was Jared and me, and, and we were saying like it's an it's an it's a win win situation already. You can't really go yeah. wrong with it, and uh, it will benefit the team long run. And um, you you learn so much, and obviously we didn't really consider his his what a point eight uh, um, point per game at the moment. That's that's incredible. After five games, he's he's. He's four points. And he, he had some good looks last night. It was just that some of, of the other players couldn't put the puck in the net. And then he has been out for two months. That's still impressive. Speaking about Russian uh, players, obviously um, th there is one that is already bringing a bit of hope into to Montreal. We don't know what will happen next year with Alexander Romanov. He's currently out injured after the World Junior Ca Championship final with a suspected elbow injury. He was hailed... Uh, on the ice with uh, um, with the two other players from from Seska uh, and getting some flowers uh, for his performance in the World Juniors. It's it's obviously he brings hope, but but in in one way you want we, anyone, including Mark Bergevin, Claude Julien, and all the journalists and all the fans in Montreal want to know as soon as possible what happens with with. Uh, Alexander Romanov next year because first and foremost he's not going to go to the AHL. If, if you offer him saying you might end up in in, in AHL, he's going to choose Seska. That's that's the first thing. What every listener should should figure out. You can't drop down a level in order to just come over and play. Then he's going to stay play Gagarin for another year, play the Olympics in two years. It's as easy as that. So, so Mark Bergevin has to go go in that. But it also carries a little bit of weight if, if you know what's going to happen with Alexander Romanov, how you approach the trade trade deadline. Because there are obviously players that you could switch or, or, or ship out or, or 
have as a part of another deal in order uh, to get a better deal if you know that Alexander Romanov comes over. Yeah, I think that good players are always welcome. Um, I think that Montreal and Trevor Timmons and Mark Bergsti is a top four D, uh, D-man in, in Alexander Romanov. And we've seen, for example, with New York Rangers and their handling of the Vitaly Kravtsov situation that you don't really benefit from bringing a Russian guy, a Russian youngster over and not having a clear plan for playing him. And that is something that I'm sure that Montreal has already begun to think about because, of course, with Romanov's contract situation, they've already, they already have the competition in mind. Uh, how we're going to beat out Seska and bring him over. And that's why they know that they have to offer him something that can make him more intrigued in, in choosing to come over and play on his entry-level contract. And that would be playing time in the NHL in a good role where he can develop. Yeah, and uh, it, it, it was mentioned yesterday that he's also uh, having Shea Weber as a, as a sort of a, uh, idol uh, to, to look up to, someone he, he really watches in order to learn the game and that will be another thing you know you keep Shea Weber around there's no way no chance he's going somewhere else anyway but but that that's a carrot you can dangle in front of, of, of Alexander Romanov you get to play with him you get to learn from him and and you know you're going to be the next guy yeah we've heard as well how good Shea Weber is at taking care of these younger guys I think it was Victor Mete telling that when he was a rookie and when he came up and he didn't really know anyone and he was a fourth round pick as well so he didn't have the highest of status uh but weber and his family took him home and and uh, offered him you know to 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 dine at at his place with his family and just took took him in and took him under his wings and that is you know completely invaluable for for a young player coming up into the league and i was i'm thinking with someone like romanov as well who is from another country. Um, having a captain that's so good at you know leading the team is invaluable in these kinds of situations. Yeah, I remember speaking to Matthias Ekholm uh, just before the World Cup uh, a couple of years ago, and he he I asked him about you know you getting PK Subban, but but how is it losing Shea Weber? And he, he was obviously. Um, he, he spoke about it a little bit on the ice, but he also mentioned uh, to me that you know Weber was the one inviting the defenders to to parties uh, or or dinners or, or, or barbecues and and making sure that the, the defensive group was a group. It was not just a, a collection of people. He he was the captain in that regard, and I think that is something that you, you will have to dangle in front of him and. Looking at the the left side, looking uh, you you can match even if he doesn't get to play with with Weber, you match him with Petrie, uh, and suddenly you can probably release Petrie a little bit more offensively, and that could benefit Montreal obviously, unless you 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 you, you trade Petrie this year, and and this is Romanov is the first domino right now, and in 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 the team building. And you need to know if you're going to drop that or not. And, and I mean, in order to push other trades around and stuff like that, you don't drop Romanov to another team. And that was also something that was mentioned uh, after the World Juniors that uh, other GMs has, has stopped asking uh, Mark Bergevin 
about Romanov's availability because he had just said no and probably just put the phone uh, down in their ears uh, when they've asked now. So, so they know that he's off the table and uh, it, it speaks volumes because for, for, for certain players, they, there is this thing and Kotkaniemi is obviously one of those as well. Where, and, and Suzuki has proven that, that other teams can ask, but, but they're not going to get him or they will have to get, you know, we'll give you the first overall in, in next year's draft or in this year's draft and, and that's not going to happen. No, exactly. Um, and I think that that shows to tell that it's not just us fans seeing uh, what what assets Montreal have in the in the pipeline. Um, I think for the first time during Bergevin's tenure in Montreal, the Canadians are doing things in the right way. They haven't had a really good team in years with, you know, star power and all that. There have been a few good NHL, really good NHL players in Max Pacioretty and P.K. Subban and, and obviously Carey Price. But in this way where we see that they have a captain that they can rely on until he quits, uh, you can say what you want about the contract, but it means that he will stay until he's too old or too injured to play. And they have a goaltender that you can rely on, who can, any given day, he can be the best in the world. And now you're building up the team around with prospects that could have high-end potential. And we've seen with the Nick Suzuki, <laughs> Nick Suzuki, Tomasz Tatar, uh, Max Pacioretty trade, what that ha- ha- has given Montreal. And, and let's, be, let's be honest, it's not even a bad trade for, for Vegas because they re-signed Pacioretty and he's having a really good season as well. So it's both teams really came out stronger from that trade. Yeah, it was perfect because Montreal got a player in Tomas Tatar who could do, who leads the, the team in points this year as well, who just needed a change of scenery and could take a Pacioretty place in the lineup. And then, of course, given a, a draft pick and a prospect. And that was perfect for a resetting team at the time. Yeah, and that... Draft pick, correct me if I'm wrong, turned into Matthias Norlinder. So there, there is that as well. And uh, th- there is hope for the future. And I know Jair and I usually talk about it. And we, we all love these prospects. We follow them and, and we, we build these dream scenarios. For, uh, every fan does. And every fan has their own favorite. But but it's, it's also the fact that uh, you will have to ship some of them out. And you will get something in return for them because they are that good. And and there will be injuries. We saw with uh, Martin Rewai, that was a fan favorite. Uh, that, that, that didn't turn out well. Another fan favorite. Uh, I've, I've just texted him and I'm not sure that he has answered yet. But but Johnny Ikonen also down with injuries. And and obviously Noah Juleson is, is, is one of those players that I really hope that he can come back to hockey. But more importantly, I hope he, he gets a can live a good life without headaches and, 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 and problems due to the concussions that he's got. But, but you will lose some along the way, be it with trades or be it with injuries. And, and uh, it's an unfortunate thing with sports, but that's the way it is. Yeah, and that's why it's important to not only bank on your first round pick. And that's why I'm glad to see players like Victor Mete and Kale Fleury take a place in the lineup. And we've seen Caden Primo already making his de- debut in the NHL as a 20-year-old. Um, we saw Jordan Harris in the World Juniors perform really well. Uh, we've seen Matthias Norlinder in the Hockey Elsvenskan. 
that is what's important as well, to have a good functioning scout scouting team where you can find some hidden gems. That's what's made Tampa Bay really good, for example, uh, being able to find these hidden gems that no one else thinks of. And I think that Montreal finally is doing that the right way. Uh, you can see with picks like Rick Pitlick and Arsene Hissamutino, players who, uh, like Rafael Harvey Pinar as well, players who probably otherwise would have been yeah, maybe undrafted free agents, at least the two latter ones, later ones, uh, where Montreal just took a fire on them to to just secure their rights. And I think that's, you know, a, a good way to do it. That's something that Trevor Timmons and, and Mark Bridgman should have get get credit for. We appreciate listening to us. Thank you, Anton. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. 